Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to the Weekend Update, your weekly dose of everything Grizzlies presented by the Grizzden Podcast and the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Will Walker, and I'm joined every week by John Kraft. How's it going, John? It's going pretty well. I actually, both my ankles are working. Uh, all my fingers are working. I, both my shoulders feel pretty good. Um, have no knee soreness that I think so far. So, uh, so if, um, um, I'm doing better than all the Grizzlies, apparently. We are both available. We are very available. Uh, Grizzlies are 14 and 25, one and two since last week. Didn't update 13th in the West, 25th in the NBA, five and a half, five and a half games back from 10 seed. But I'm thinking that, you know, seeing how the next few weeks goes, we might have to nix that from this intro, depending on <laughs> maybe, how maybe we can talk where about we are. If the Suns drop down into the lottery. That's that right. For some fun, right? There. We can start tracking our enemies. How about that? 29th in offense with 109.2 rating. We were 30th last week, so improvement. Wow. 12th in defense. That went down a couple spots. We're at 114.8 rating there. 25th overall in net rating with a negative 5.6. So our net rating matches exactly where we are. Stacked up in the NBA record wise. We start every podcast with a who's up and a who's down. John, what's your who's up? Who's up? I actually, you know, surprisingly with everything going on, um, there's a couple that I that I actually like for for who's up. But I'm going to I'm you know, I'm going to go with kind of haven't gotten to mention him much, but I'm going to go with Luke Kennard as my who's up. Uh, he I think he's had a good week. Um, you know, uh, I always like to joke about how he's an underrated rebounder, uh, but he's I just thought this week what I've appreciated uh, after kind of I think last week I was talking about feeling like he disappeared we had that great shooting game and he didn't make much I felt like this week he made shots but more than that I thought he was good at playmaking uh, got some assists he got some rebounds um, didn't didn't seem totally the the worst on defense uh, and so I just thought he was good a stable uh, you know um, you know one of one of our few normal rotation players that got to play much this week but I just thought he had a good week good solid week um, it's it's the kind of week that made me think you know, uh, we could really use them uh, with with the whole team. You know, and maybe we shouldn't trade them, uh, as opposed to I think a couple weeks before since he's come back from the injury, where it was more like I'm, I felt better about trading them. But so in that sense, I thought he had a good week. So he's my he's my who's up. I was in preparation for this podcast looking up some Luke Kennard stats from this year because to me, when you when you think about how he's played thus far. I haven't just in my head, it hasn't been this amazing year for him. But when you look at it, he's still shooting over 40% from three on a pretty high volume. So a down year for Luke Kennard is shooting under, you know, 48% from three. So I'll take that on a team starved for shooting. I still wish he could hit a bit more. I think he has to play a little bit better than he has been in order to secure 
a long-term future on this team because you have heard his name thrown around due to the size of his contract. But I agree with you. He's affecting more than just the the field goal percentage on the team. He's he's rebounding, like you said. He's dishing out some assists, and he's he's providing some level of competence and stability in a lineup where not a lot of guys have yeah. have been and, you know, in the and lineup. The, other, the others who up possibility for me were more of the normal the normal who's up guys. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of, I mean, Vince Williams to me, it's hard to go away from him for the who's up mainly because the big news that came down was that he is officially on the main roster was signed to a three year deal. And it also has a team option at the end of the deal. So he is officially making around eight million, eight to nine for the length of this contract. Two point two is what he's he scheduled for this year, and then two point one, two point three, and two point four that last year being a team option for the for the next few years. And what an amazing deal for not, not only the Grizzlies, but overall, if you think about where Vince Williams was, a two way guy has not gotten basically any playing time on the regular roster until this season and due to all the injuries gets called up and all the uh, other wings that was were drafted in his class that struggled and just has played unbelievably well enough to where we actually waived Bismack Biombo, who we signed earlier in the season in order to make room for Vince. And we can get into more of that uh, later on in the podcast when we're talking through just the roster at large, but I have to shout out, Vince Williams for earning his way to a a real NBA contract. It's life changing money for a guy like that, and I do think that he's going to be he's going to be a Grizzly for for a while at least. We hope. And yeah, and great contract. I mean, like it's one of those contracts, um, and we'll talk about it more. But um, exciting. Yep. Uh, my who's down is the Grizzlies PR Twitter account. The latest. The latest injury listing, we've joked about how they've had to go to the notes app for most of the season because they can't fit the number of injuries inside of a 140-character tweet or however many characters you get these days with x.com. But just the, I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys listed on the New York Knicks uh, Grizzlies PR tweet. It had over 850,000 impressions on Twitter. It's becoming famous these days it's been tweeted out by i think like bleacher report and a few other of those aggregator sites but my who's down is just (laughs) notifications that i get from the grizzlies pr account because i mean they have consistently been the most deflating things of this whole season it's just the whenever i see the memphis grizzlies announce the following medical update i just get triggered john like that that's where i am with this twitter account so uh, i'm ready for i'm ready for this season to be it, once it ends, I'll be glad that I don't have to see anything else from that account, uh, at least day to day. Who knows if they're going to announce something later on, like we did the Stephen Adams, you know, before the season started. But yeah, that Twitter account is just out right now. For yeah, me. your 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 appropriate your who's up was the Vince Williams contract is I think the only positive thing that that account has gotten to tweet out in the last maybe three four weeks, and so. Uh, uh, so I'm glad. So your who's up and who's down match, and and I'll just say that I, I it's I, I'm I'm putting it out there right now. At the end of this season, let's maybe deactivate Grizzlies PR and create a new <laughs> Grizzlies handle for injury updates. Um, so, but my um, my who's down, and so I'm glad you had that one because that was that was that was one of the two that I had as the who's down. So I'm glad you got that one. My, mine, honestly, and this is a sad one for me, and we can probably talk about this more uh, in the podcast, but our, our basically my who's down is the last two years of first round picks. Uh, you know, as, as much, and we'll talk and as much as kind of second round picks have been kind of exciting for us. And we've had some good uh, two way guys and other things like that. Um, you know, the last two years, obviously, you know, we had Bain three years ago. That's been good. But uh, the last couple of years uh, of, I guess, the last three years of first round picks have been pretty disappointing so far this year. I mean, that's Santi Aldama, that's Zaire, that's Jake Laravia, that's David Roddy. Um, all of them have really, I think, disappointed. I think we, we can talk and there's some good stuff, you know, a little bit that we've seen with all four. But man, in a year 
where uh, they're going to have it. I mean, this is the rest of the season is going to be about these four guys showing us something. And it's just been really sad and disappointing uh, that we're talking about Vince Williams, uh, you know, making some real money, getting a roster spot because all these other guys that have had way more, uh, you know, advantages in the pecking order, uh, salary, all sorts of things are just not getting it done. And so that, that's been my who's down. It's just been kind of disappointing to see nobody really uh, grab that um, of our, you know, four last three years of first round picks. Yeah, that's a good one. Let's talk about the state of this team. And frankly, we could be looking up tomorrow at the Golden State game at home, the MLK game. On TNT, my who's down was almost TNT because they have two Grizzlies games this week scheduled Monday and Thursday. And it's too, but, late. It's too late to get out of them. So, which so I think last, will be happening later. Yeah, truly. So last night against the Knicks, well, we should really start at the beginning of the week and tell the story of, of how we got here. So the Mavericks game was the first since we got the announcement about John Morant's injury, or excuse me, surgery that would leave him out for the rest of the season, the Grizzlies come out and with, with no expectations at all, play one of their better games, defeat the Mavericks 120 to 103 in Dallas. Bain goes for 32. Marcus Smart has one of his better games, 23 points. Well, then we have a finger injury that happens with Smart and you could tell it was bad because he had some ice on it. The rest of the game didn't come back in. And we get the notification that Smart's going to be out for six weeks because of that right finger injury. So then we get to the game against the Clippers a couple nights later. And the, of course, the Clippers right now were playing out of their mind well. And frankly, I thought that we played well enough to win the game. It's just yeah. that we played a team that shot, you know, over 60%. Yeah, and it was, like, it was like 73, per, it was some like 73, 74% true shooting percentage, insane. Uh, which basically means it takes into account three points and free throws and makes this, it's like if you're playing a team that's shooting 74% from the floor um, and they just, they were, they were awesome. And I actually, I agree with you. I thought we played really well against the Clippers. We just like, that was just, you know, a team that had a, a better, more talent on the floor and just were played as about as good as they can play. I mean, Paul George, his season high, 37, 7 of 10 from three. You're just going to, you're going to have a really hard time beating a Clippers team like that. I mean, that. we weren't, and it wasn't like early in the season where we were just leaving guys wide open. I mean, they were, they were, they were hitting threes in people's faces. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we struggle with all year is leaving guys open. But no, this was contested, just shot making, which we're at an all time high in shot making this season, by the way, overall. But in that game, Desmond Bain drives down in the second half. Lands wrong on his ankle, twists it, and can't even can't even shoot the free throws. Has to go straight back to the locker room, and then last night is on the bench in crutches. And we're we haven't yet heard what the prognosis is for that injury. I'm just going to assume it's not great. Yeah. And then we have this, which I think Jaron's Jaron's injury status is a little bit more gamesmanship. If you had to ask me my true opinion, I mean, I don't want to speculate too much because obviously we both were on this podcast last Sunday talking about how we, you know, we, we didn't have any indication that the jaw injury was more than maybe something that would be temporary. So I don't trust anything at this point, medically speaking, uh, but we'll see on Jaron. It seems as though because he was on the injury report as doubtful a couple of games back, but then showed up and was not even not even on the injury report at all, the next game. So it seems as if this whole right knee thing is potentially day-to-day. And so we could see Jaron in the lineup, but then following all of that, we get to last night's game, and knowing that we were only going to really have nine guys, Luke Kennard being the only rotation guy in the in the whole lineup, and then Jake LaRavia you know, comes down on an ankle and has to leave the game after playing only a minute and a half, and we played eight the rest of the game, and it seems as if that's what we have to roll with right now. So, and and when you look at who those eight are, you're you have Luke Kennard, who 
is making fourteen million this year, but really your your next highest paid guy is Zaire Williams, making four point eight, and that's that's where we are, ladies and gentlemen. Jacob Gilliard and Gigi Jackson, who we're going to talk about in a few minutes, because Gigi to me is the number one player I am watching for the rest of the season to see how he plays. But that's and, and Jacob Gilliard is playing a crucial position which is the lead point guard on a team that doesn't have any backup point guards. Xavier Tillman's playing center when Jared Jackson's out, and we don't have a backup center. David Roddy's playing backup center. This is this is not an NBA lineup at all. This is the Memphis hustle. That's what we're rolling with. And yet, John, and I will stop my long diatribe after this and let you get some thoughts in here, but I have not had more joy watching this Grizzlies team than I did last night, and it's because they are playing with no pressure, these guys all know they're not going to ever be favored the rest of the season unless there's a team that's just as injury, uh, you know, snake bit as we are. And they played free. I didn't think they were going to win, even though we were up by two at halftime, unless the Knicks just kept turning the ball over at the rate they were. We couldn't get a rebound. We couldn't stop anybody down low. And yet we were playing free. Yes, we had our mistakes. Yes, we had our frustrating moments with guys like Zaire and Roddy. But overall... I'm having fun watching the development. There's, We are playing with house money, like I said on our John Morant emergency podcast, and that's how I feel. Like This team is not expected to win, and let's just go out and see how the guys develop because we literally have no other option. No, I agree, and I think, uh, you know, the hope is, and I think with Jaron, I mean, I, I would not be at all surprised to, if he plays tomorrow against the Warriors. I, I think that just even reading the tea leaves, um, just with knee soreness, where we are, you know, I think where the where the measurements have changed with all the injuries, I just don't think we're going to play Jaron Jackson three three and four on any sort of soreness. And so, but I would not be surprised. I bet he's questionable for tomorrow when uh, for the for the MLK game when it comes out, and I could see him being a game time decision. Um, you know, it'd be nice to have him. Uh, you know, against the Warriors, which we'll talk about later. But to, but with that, I agree. I, I've been most encouraged. I mean, I think I'm still honestly seeing the effort the last four four games. That concludes the Suns game uh, where we didn't have Jaw, and then the Mavs game where we didn't have Jaron and then didn't have Marcus Smart for the fourth. And um, in these last two games, I've loved the amount of hustle and how hard we're playing. And I'm kind of, I mean, honestly, if there's a critique I have is why, is that we had a lot of games, and I know that losing's contagious and we were getting down, but there's a lot of games in that first 25 where we did not, where we could have won some games if we'd come out with that kind of effort, I think. And so there's a little bit of that, wondering why we didn't do that earlier in the season. Um, but, but yeah, I've been excited. I mean, honestly, I think, you know, the Knicks, the, the biggest thing is just we were on a back-to-back, a bunch of guys who are not used to playing 30 to 35 minutes of NBA basketball, and we just, uh, that third quarter, we just lost it. I mean, we we got outscored by 15 points in the third quarter, uh, but we won the other three quarters, <laughs> you know, or at least, you know, we're, we're right with them the other three quarters, and I think that's great. And honestly, like, like you were saying, I thought we started off the Clippers game really well. Uh, you know, we're up after the first quarter, um, played really hard, played played good enough to where I think we would have beaten most teams, just had a crazy Clippers are just really, really good. They're on fire right now. Um, and then yesterday at the Knicks, yeah, I think we – and I, I hope that we can do more of that is come out, uh, play sort of what we are used to with Grizzlies basketball, play harder than the other team, play as hard as we can. And with that, I'm not going to be upset with losses. I was not upset at all with that Knicks loss. I was actually really encouraged by how hard we played. Um, I can still be frustrated that some of the guys um, aren't taking leaps like I want them to, aren't showing me some things that I want. But um, – but other, you know, honestly, other than Zaire yesterday, when he just turned the ball over once or twice and kind of gave up, and then like had one sort of where he just kind of like did the Olay thing uh, on a fast break, didn't even really try, which was terrible. Um, other than you know, other than like a few moments with Zaire, which by the way, Jenkins took him immediately out, which I was happy about. Um, the rest of the guys, you know, even Aradi, I get, you know, I can I can get frustrated with his dribble being so loose and turning the ball over, but but he tries hard. He's trying as hard as he can. Um, and, and of course, Gigi Jackson, I think, had what what I would think of as maybe the the like just like easiest twenty points for a nineteen year old I've ever seen. As far as just um, doesn't even seem like he's he's still trying to figure things out. Doesn't even seem like he's you know 
putting in full effort on offense in a sense, like, oh, I want to get mine. Um, and yet he scored 20 points pretty easily. So I think that was something else that was uh, very encouraging to see when you look at a Roddy and a Laravia and a Zaire who seemed to have to put a lot of effort in uh, to score at all. It was nice to see that from uh, Gigi Jackson. 100% agree. The biggest difference that I can see is that Gigi plays free. He, his athleticism allows him to do so to an extent, but also I do think that there's a mindset. Him and Vince remind me a lot of each other. Vince and affects the game in just about every other way except for scoring. Gigi, I think, can be the the yin to the yang of the Vince Williams um, you know, game that I was talking about. And the difference, like you were saying, between Gigi and... Zaire, Roddy, and LaRavia is I can actively see those three thinking about every single move they're making. And they're second-guessing themselves on everything. They're Unless they are wide open for a shot, I don't see the natural just flow in basketball IQ that I see with Gigi where his body is almost going to the right spot before his mind can catch up with it. And that's, to me, that is the type of trait you want to see in a young player that's getting developed. You know, we hired Anthony Carter from the Heat, and he specializes in those guys that are on the margins and have that potential, that those physical gifts, but just need them harnessed. Whereas it's really hard to take Zaire, Roddy, and LaRavia and what they are and elevate them to play more free because that's just, I think it's just not in their, in their DNA. And that's why I would love to start next season and wipe the slate clean. I don't want to see Zaire, Roddy or Laravia on this team next year. Honestly, I think from, it could make financial sense to have a guy like Roddy just keep him around because he's at a low number and we don't have to worry about an extension until one year down the road. And in a, in a pinch, he can play multiple positions. LaRavia, I'm completely out on. Zaire, I'm completely out on. Despite the fact that he is putting up some actual stats at this point, which to me, you've heard me say it on the last couple of podcasts, that means it's time to trade him right now. His, his, his rep has never been higher. And I think it's only going to go downhill the more games he plays without Jaw and the more responsibility he has to make things happen by himself. And so I just don't see the the, the fit there. I think that Roddy and LaRavia have obvious ceilings. Yes, their floor might be pretty high per se at their best, but I don't know, man. I, yeah. I'm with you about your who's up and just the, or maybe your who's down was the first round draft picks. All the second rounders are impressing me so much right now and let's just pick in the 40s let's just trade this upcoming first round draft pick in the 2024 draft and just keep trading back until we get in the 40s and and keep rolling from there because that's where climbing's bread and butter seems to be yeah i mean it's it's interesting you know i i have not seen really anything from laravia like honestly even watching memphis hustle highlights that have really gotten me excited I, the only thing with him is just he just hadn't played as much as the other guys you know, and so there's a part of me that's still like leaving out just a little bit potential. But honestly, at the same time, sometimes it's just not the right fit. Like every time it seems like he has the all of a sudden he's going to get a lot of playing time because of circumstances, he gets injured. And he is just so it's uh, and so sometimes it's just like, you know, it's time to move on from him. So, I, you know, I think either way with him, uh, I think, you know, I kind of am with you. I I. I'm ready. I'm, I'm done with Zaire. You know, if, if anything, you know, I, I would expect, I would think some of the more more ball type teams where it's just like threes and dunks, uh, unfortunately threes and layups, but, uh, Zaire's not going to be making a layup. So, but I do think for teams that might just want a tall guy who can just stand in the corner and hit threes or could maybe, you know, throw lobs to that, that seems to be Zaire. If, if there is an elite skill that Zaire has, it is just running down the floor and catching alley-oops. And then at times hitting wide open threes, usually from the corners, 
but other than that, I mean, just all the other things, which is just so fun. I mean, and it's, it is funny how he's the one pick that we kind of chose to go upside rather than like do the spreadsheet thing that we normally do because that's what's so frustrating about him is like, unlike even like a Roddy, unlike everybody else, you're just not going to see a bunch of assists, a bunch of steals and blocks, a bunch of rebounds. You're just not going to see this like stat filler guy in Zaire. Um, and so that's why I think like a Roddy, there's a ceiling, it, you know, it's not great, but I know that he's going to play hard. I know he's going to defend. Um, and I know he's going to do some little things similar to Conchar. I mean, I think he's just another Conchar type guy. He's also a great culture guy. Um, both of them are guys who you can come in on the right game and them have like the Conchar game or the Roddy game. Like last year, there's a Dallas game where Roddy came in. But that's about all. And like, and so that's kind of Contra and Roddy are both guys. It's like they're trying, they're kind of increasing your floor in the regular season. But if they're playing in the playoffs, there's something's gone wrong. And and that's kind of what I see with them. Whereas Zaire, I think some people can talk themselves into the upside. So yeah, I really hope that we can trade them because I mean I will be upset if we extend them past this year. So I'm hoping we can somehow get another team to take them. I mean, honestly, even if it's just maybe a second round pick or something like that. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah, we got to talk about Contra for a minute because it's it's important to note how he, we have a body of work from him over the last few years, and we've seen him work work in lineups with with starters with high level guys because he is the connector in those lineups. He does everything that you want a perimeter guy who's not going to score to do, and we also have a obvious weakness in in rebounding, and he has a knack for. He just has a nose for the ball and can get to those. But all that to say, I think you're seeing the downside of Conchar in an, in a lineup that does not have just high-level playmakers and scorers because he's still going to play his game no matter what. You can't – he's not going to all of a sudden step in to a role like, say, you know, I want Kennard, for instance, to step up and really increase his volume – and even even a guy like Zaire Roddy, like that's the only direction they have to go because they don't. I mean, Roddy, yes, you're right. He plays hard. He does other things. But for instance, Zaire, he's not he's not stacking up stats apart from from points, and he has to move in that direction. But Conchar is not going to be. He's not going to be a guy that's going to. You're. He, I don't see him putting up a ton of stats right now. Right. Like the rest of the season, he obviously was over four in the game last night had a couple of open looks just didn't hit him again not his game so but when you so I I could foresee a lot of chatter coming for Conchar if he continues to put up games like he did last night but all I'm going to say is like there is a body of work to support what Conchar does and how he elevates lineups especially in the regular season so you know we spent a lot of time talking about the guys that are left on this team playing and there isn't a lot to say that we haven't already mentioned. And so what I was going to, what I was going to say ahead is what can the Grizzlies actually do to add pieces that can, I, I don't even want to say the word contribute because really to me, it's just maintaining bodies on the floor to where we don't run out of gas in the middle of third quarter, the rest of the way we have a, we have a two way spot that now since Vince Williams was elevated, uh, only Gigi and Jacob Gilliard are, have those two, two two-way spots, and we have a third option. So if we want to sign somebody, I think that's where they should go because we are past the mark of the season where because two-way guys can only play in 50 games. And honestly, we might run into a situation near the end of the season with Gilliard in, in particular. Um, I don't know how many games he's dressed out in, um, but... That's another thing that we could probably look up. But all that to say, I would expect, I think, you know, Rose has shown to me he's just not going to be reliable. 
because he is a true point guard in the sense that he and Gilliard could share that role moving forward if he's healthy. If, if Rose is healthy, I don't think we can rely on that at all. So do you use that third to a spot on just a point guard that can help set up your guys and isn't expected to do much else? Do you use it on a another center so that you can give Jaron Jackson some some rest? Do you wait it out until the trade deadline to where maybe you can move off a few of the guys that we've discussed already and open up a roster spot and then use the exceptions that we have, which are you know, the disabled player from John Morant. That's I believe up to 12 million or so. We still have some trade, uh, some trade exception money from the Dylan Brooks trade last summer. We have some of our mid-level exception left, depending on how much was paid to Bismack. And we're even applying for another upcoming for, for Marcus Smart to see if we can get even more optionality there to sign a guy for the rest of the season. And so I believe they'll probably go in either of those two directions, either a true point guard or a true center. It'd be hilarious if we brought Biombo back. I doubt we will. <laughs> uh, but we'll. I just don't have a read on the guys out there because it doesn't make a difference in terms of like earlier in the season, it really mattered who we brought in to play center after Adams was injured because we still had Bain playing. We had Smart playing. We had Jaron on the floor. We had a, a lineup that you could see actually actually getting to the play-in race, and now we just don't have that. And so to me, it's more about how do you set up your guys to be able to play and really so that the front office can evaluate, continue to evaluate what they have. You can't evaluate a team that doesn't even have a point guard to set other guys up or else you're just, in, you're, you're evaluating them in a, just in a context that they're not going to play in ever if, if you have a full team. So that's where I, I believe we are. That's where I believe we need to go. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I definitely think, you know, if you've been following Twitter online, people have really been talking about big men, but I do, I agree that I think, um, if we're going to go full development mode, which I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see depending on how long the Bane injury is. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm already kind of assuming Marcus smart because, you know, it was six weeks, but it was also like reevaluation six weeks. And so I, it's very likely Marcus smart might not be playing another game for the Grizzlies. Um, but Bane, I think will be back. I think he's probably looking for some potential awards and other things. Maybe, I don't know. We'll see how many games he misses if he hits that 65 game threshold or not. Um, and so I do think Jaron and Bain will hopefully still be around at least post all-star break for Bain. And so, but we do, you know, with a guy like a Gigi Jackson, um, honestly, with all these young guys that maybe, you know, if we don't trade them, we're still trying to figure out, you know, the development, you really do need a point guard. And so I think I'm probably am leaning towards point guard. I mean, it's, it'll be tough. I mean, you know, like last night it was tough just not getting any rebounds against the Knicks. Uh, but I think that, but like what you saw with Gigi Jackson was, I think it was really important to have someone like Gilliard out there uh, running, you know, uh, point guards who can set guys up, get assists. Uh, I do still think that is important, but we'll see. And, uh, and of course, you know, we were trying to figure it out. I mean, it's, it's all very, there, there is potential for the Grizzlies at some point to also ask for a roster exception um, because of how many guys are injured. So it could be, you know, we sign a point guard with the two way and then maybe, um, down the road, we're granted a roster spot to like sign a some kind of center for a ten day, just to kind of come in and take up space when when Tillman and Jaron are resting. Who knows? But yeah, I think I to me, uh, you know, despite my optimism and honestly, even after the Mavs game, I was very much talking myself into getting back into the plan, even without Jaw. Just because I thought, you know, the way Marcus Bain and Jaron are playing, on and honestly, the way the rest of the West is playing, which, like, you know, teams like seven through eleven are really bunched, and uh, and coming back to us, honestly, a little bit, except you know everybody, and so, but I just think at this point, it, it is a very developmental year, and to me, it's more important that we have a point guard helping guys develop than it is. Um, you know, where we can actually run our offense and not turn the ball over so much than it is, you know, not being able to get create extra possessions with rebounds and honestly probably give up a lot of baskets uh, on offensive rebounds as well. So 
I don't know. But hopefully, hopefully we'll somehow with all with everything that falls through, hopefully we'll be able to find one more big and but definitely find a point guard for sure. Um, and maybe try to figure out what we're going to do with Derrick Rose since we have him through another year after this one. And it just, uh, you know, at this point, um, as much as I like the story and all that stuff, that just that just seems like a humongous waste of a roster spot um, for this team. So. Yeah, just for perspective, uh, next year, if we retain Derrick Rose, he'll be making one point two million dollars more than Vince Williams. So how about that? Um, John, you had, you had a thought on, on tanking. Yeah. yeah. So I, people, you know, I get it. I think, you know, we all deal with the sadness of, of a grizzly season that seems cursed in different ways. And people get really excited about tanking and all that stuff. And, and what I would say, you know, I'm not, I'm not out here telling people, you know, don't, don't deal, don't like mourn in your own way. But I think there's this, sometimes there's this excitement about tanking and it's like, you know, why are, you know, so like tomorrow when we might possibly play Jaron against the Warriors, people will be like, why are we playing Jaron against the Warriors? We need to lose this game to improve our draft pick. And, and, and so what I would say is one, it's going to be really hard to improve our draft pick any more than where we are right now, honestly. Um, and because of the new lottery rules, uh, it's honestly, it's, it's really not a huge advantage. I mean, obviously if you're in the, if you're like, you have the mo- first or second ping pong balls, that's fine. But honestly, it really doesn't matter as much anymore. And we've seen that played out that it still is, you know, and honestly, and we see, it, we, we see it, we know it because in a year where we barely missed the playoffs, we went down, you know, we were like ninth and 10th and we went all the way up and got jaw. Uh, but my biggest deal, and I've always been anti-tanking. Um, I, I'm not anti-playing young players and developing them, and then just because of that, you're losing. I am very against uh, losing on purpose, uh, resting guys who are obviously healthy. I, you know, we nobody who does that has ever won, uh, has ever won a title. Uh, you know, and famously, the '76ers, who were known for this, they they struggle every year. There, I believe there is a mental weakness that has been put in place in a team like 76ers. I think we're going to see this from the Thunder as well. It's one of the reasons why, even though the Thunder are playing well, I continue to have doubts about them is because I just think they lost so long and kind of played this game that I just don't – I think that you are not rewarded for doing that one. And I think, too, what we saw with the 6-19 and 19 record earlier this year is that losing is contagious and losing is just bad. It's bad for culture. And to me, what I've seen the last uh, three games, one, we were very out-talented by the Mavs, and yet we still came in and won. And then two games where we played really hard against the Clippers and the Knicks and just didn't have enough. We didn't have enough talent. That is what I want to see. You know, and if people get excited about, oh, well, we lost. You know, this is what I want. I don't want us to win games. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to be out here like – you know, old man yard yelling at people, but I think, uh, but beware the, Oh, I want the Grizzlies to lose on purpose type mentality or, you know, why, why are they, you know, still playing some of their good players or, you know, why are we winning a few of these games, you know, and maybe instead of having the sixth most lottery balls, we have like the eighth most. And I, I just think it is, it would do us damage as a team who is expecting going into next year to be a title contender to lose games on purpose this year to try to get a good pick. We want to instill a winning culture. And so that's, you know, and you might disagree with me well, and obviously the other Grizzden guys, we can talk about it, but I, I just get, you know, I see over and over and over again, when you look at the teams, you look at the stars, uh, less, you know, fewer and fewer stars are number one or number two draft picks and fewer and fewer teams who kind of play that game um, have done well. I mean, I, I even look at the Celtics who I think have had uh, honestly been the better team a couple times and not won the title. And I go back to them losing so many games early when those guys were rookies. And I, one thing I've always favored about us is that even in Jaron's rookie year, it didn't go like we wanted to. We ended up trading people away. But for the first half of the season, we were trying really hard and we actually were pretty good. And then as soon as we brought jaw in, we were good. You know, we weren't amazing. We struggled early, but then we ended up making, uh, you know, the bubble, I guess the first sort of bubble play in. And so, I just I like us as a as an organization um, always trying and I think the early Grizzlies and then a couple of those years when we tried to 
you know, basically, you know, tried to get uh, a top draft pick and we're celebrating it. You know, I think there's a reason why we weren't given that pick. Um, I think I just think you don't get rewarded for for losing on purpose. So that's my little rant. Uh, maybe I'm old man uh, yelling, get off my lawn. But uh, and if you want to be excited about losing game, that's fine. But I think we should be upset if the Grizzlies are like on purpose trying to lose. I think we we need to be playing guys and playing hard and going into every game, hoping to win, knowing that probably because of the talent uh, disparity probably won't. But, you know, well, I've got good news for you, John. Okay. I think that everybody's going to win here because we're going to be trying to win <laughs> and we just don't have the guys to win. Yeah. So I, I think, I think in a good way, that's that, I think that is sort of probably the best case scenario um, for, for everybody involved. But, uh, but I've just already saw it. Like people just being like, you know, why are you, you know, why, you know, why would we even play Jaron against the Warriors and stuff like that? And like, right. you know, also just, and it's also just, you know, we're both season ticket holders. Like I want to go, if I, when I go to the MLK game tomorrow, hopefully weather permitting, uh, like I want to see us try and I, and I want to hope to beat the Warriors cause I hate the Warriors and, and they're bad. Yeah. And I hope, hope we can still play a really, uh, you know, good game with them and play hard and all that sort of thing. I do think the context is really important, like you said, because there are some. There's five teams below us right now who I just don't think as hard as we want to try to lose. They're they're worse than us, and they've dug themselves too deep into a hole to for us to you know catch up. And at the end of the day, I think I think the only the only real difference that we can make by a coach's decision or a organization's decision is Jaron at this point because the rest of the guys just I mean truly have injuries that you can't you can't affect a lineup night to night because of it. Uh so if Jaron to me plays every other night, like I'm gonna be completely fine with that. I'm okay with him not playing back to backs. I do think that there is some level of you wanna you want to keep building upon your development and the only way to do that is in game action. And I think this would be a it's a it's a really cool opportunity for Jaron to build on what I already see has been a vast improvement this season, especially on the offensive end. We already knew how good he was on defense, but like, let's just keep moving in that positive direction. And so, but yeah, no, I'm with you on the whole tanking thing. Like, I just really don't think it's good karma for people uh, long-term. And I don't think though, that we're going to have that issue based on the fact that it's just a snake bitten year from an injury standpoint. And I'll, I don't think apart from the Jaron decision, we're going to see a lot of, a lot of intentional tanking per se. Yeah, I don't think so either. And, and I just and like I remember, I mean, it, it probably still rubs me the wrong way. I, I feel like Marcus All was never the same <laughs> the year that we would like start resting him in the fourth quarter if we were playing well because we were trying to get a good draft pick. And, um, you know, and I, I think I think that like that was more the beginning of the end, um, you know, and, and honestly, we ended up, I will say it's funny, we we were not rewarded in that we did not get the number one pick, but we did end up getting Jaron Jackson that year, which uh, obviously I love. I think he ended up, you know, arguably the third, second or third, probably. Be- I mean, I'm, I would argue first maybe, but obviously most people are going to say Shea and Luca are better than Jaron. But, um, but all that said, you know, I, I still think that that really affected – if if we could have maybe prolonged uh, the Gasol-Conley era – I think that really, really put a damper in it. I just think Gasol was never the same with the, with the organization when he was like not being played in competitive games in the fourth quarter. And so I just don't want that kind of stuff done. But I, I think that's a great point you made though about Jaron. Like I, I can't think of anything better. I mean, it's going to be frustrating for us. I can't think of anything better than Jaron getting double and triple teamed and being the guy that that teams scout against now, and having to deal with that and learn what it means to to pass out of the double and triple teams and, and then come into next year with all of a sudden all this space, but that development for the next two or three months of being really double and triple teamed. I, I mean, I think that could be a really, really good development for Jaron. So this week we're playing the Warriors at home, MLK game, always fun, no matter what our team looks like. It's always fun to play the Warriors too, that built-in rivalry. Then we head to Minnesota. We play on TNT Thursday at 9 p.m. I wonder how many people will be staying up to watch that game. And then on, on Saturday at 7 p.m., we play in Chicago. And the Bulls are struggling right now. They're in a weird zone where they're trying to trade their quote-unquote best player who's actually not their best player. And Zach Levine, makes just he's the one who makes a whole lot of money. 
for them. And so, um, yeah, this is going to be a weird week. I We also have our next 10-game prediction, which will take effect after this Warriors game. So just to give an update, if we beat the Warriors, we will end this last 10 games 5-5. Five and five. And so that will the next 10 games after that are, we already discussed, at Minnesota and at Chicago, but then it's at Toronto, at Miami, home against the Magic, at Indiana, home against the Kings, home against the Cavaliers, home against the Warriors, and then at Boston. I believe that's Super Bowl Sunday. And apparently, so apparently this is a new apparently it's a new tradition to have us play the Celtics on Super Bowl Sunday or something, because I think this is like three out of four years of us playing the Celtics. And I just uh, realized, too, that Marcus Smart is now going to miss both of the games against the yes, Celtics, unfortunately, yes, but it will be yeah. Marcus Smart's return to yeah. Boston. So, okay, John, with that in mind, what is your next 10 game prediction? So my next 10 game prediction is three and seven. <laughs> which maybe is optimistic. I actually, you know, this is a week where, uh, you know, it's funny with all the injuries we've had, you know, other than the Knicks game, which I think without Jalen Brunson, if we were at all healthy, I think we would have beaten the Knicks last night. But, um, but the Warriors at home, I think, uh, especially if we have Jaron, um, which I think Jaron's going to play the MLK game. Um, I think that's a winnable game. I think Chicago, just because they're not a good team, uh, can be a winnable game. So it's a weird week where I think we could go two and one. We also could go zero and three. Um, and I feel like that's sort of, but so I say three and seven, I just looking at our schedule, I think we have, we're just going to out hustle and outwork a team. And I think with Jaron, um, maybe having a good game or two, we play some bad teams. So I, I could see three wins. Um, and that's why I'm going to go with, I'm going to, I'm and honestly, I'm hoping we get one or two this week. Um, for the three and seven, because I def- we definitely play have some very obvious losses, you know, at Boston, at Minnesota. Um, but you know, that's kind of where I'm thinking. I just I don't think we're going to totally let off the rope and go like one and nine. I think we got enough in left in us to give a, get a few wins. So three and seven for me. I'm going two and eight, and it's because I think the Knicks did this last night, even though they didn't have Brunson themselves, and so they weren't their full complement. But I think you look at the under, other end of the floor. You see who's playing, especially games when Jaron's not going to play. And I think there's just this natural human tendency to let off the gas and just not other teams just not being disciplined, not taking the team seriously. I think we've seen this too the other way when it's a huge game and you see Ja come out and play amazing or Dez or something like that where the lights are brightest. That's where they step up. And I think just the inclination to do the opposite for teams that are as injured as we are. It's just a your teams are just going to look past the Grizzlies. And I think that could. If we somehow can can punch a team in the mouth early, make some shots, and then play well enough down the stretch, that's why I think two out of the next ten, I could see that happening. Um, we are also going to need some injury luck to go our way and on the other side as I well. I think there's a lot of that going around right now. So right. I'm, I'm hoping we'll catch a couple of those. Yeah, maybe a team on the second out of a back-to-back, again, who just overlooks us. So. I was tempted to go one and nine, but I'm going to go two and eight. And it's going to be that way, unfortunately, I think, till the trade deadline when we have the opportunity to upgrade, which, I mean, trades can still happen right now. And who knows? We might get in the mix earlier than the deadline if there's a deal that we like. But my my hunch is that we're going to wait until until February 8th to do much of anything besides signing a free agent for, to a two-way deal or a 10-day contract like you were saying earlier. So 2-8 and is my prediction. And in order to finish out the podcast, John, we do have to crown an MVP (laughs) of this week. You went first on the next 10-game prediction. I'll go first on the MVP of the week. I've got Vince Williams. Not only the contract, which I discussed in my Who's Up, but he just is, he's the guy right now. He's going to do, he's who I think people are going to go to see, which is crazy to say at FedEx Forum. Him and Gigi, to me, and, and obviously you got your Luke Kennard and, and Xavier Tillman who have played a whole bunch and I would consider to be NBA veterans at this point. But as far as the young guys go, the the Vince Williams and Gigi Jackson represent the success stories of this year in terms of a in terms of development. And so I'm giving him the first his first ever MVP of the week on the weekend update. So congratulations, Vince. Yeah, so I so I that he he's my runner up. Um, and maybe I'm just a hard uh, Gregor, because he really is. He's everywhere. I've, I've actually loved seeing since the contract. It seems like he's hustling even more, <laughs> like even like even more just 
putting everything on the line, which I love to see after a guy gets paid. You get nervous if it's the opposite. Um, uh, but I'm, you know, and this might be, and people might be annoyed with me. I'm going to go with Bain. He, I, the fact that he won us the game and he played so many minutes, like basically got like one minute of rest in the second half before having to come back in uh, and kind of carried us into what I think might, you know, uh, maybe maybe we'll get a few other great wins, but that was probably one of the most fun, satisfying wins. You know, honestly, a streak that that whole that whole streak was super fun. Um, going from the weekend, just that West Coast road trip. That's kind of like the super bright spot when what's been a really tough season. And I think he came out in the Clippers, and I think he played really well. And you know, and just unfortunately, you know, got that injury. But uh, before, but up until the injury, he was playing really well. Obviously, was the best player on the on the floor for us. And, uh, and so even though he missed one game, obviously played like maybe what a game and two thirds, something like that. Uh, but he was, he was the reason we won that game. Vince Williams, it was very close. I almost gave it to him, but, uh, but it was hard. Just, I figured I'd give Bain one more MVP, um, for bringing home the Dallas win. Plus honestly, extra points for just, for just staying bitter for just bringing it against Dallas. Um, you know, I love be- beating the Mavs and just him, continue to be frustrated that he went to school in their backyard and they didn't draft him. And just, I just hope he brings that energy the rest of his career that, that he's, that we look at that, uh, the Mavs fans look at him. Like we look at like a CJ McCollum or, or a Draymond green or somebody like that. Like either a guy we pass, we shouldn't, or just like that. He's just the Mavs killer. They all hate their Desmond Bain. So, so he's my MVP. Congrats to Desmond Bain and Vince Williams. And this has been a, a really tough ending to what was shaping up to be a fun week for the Grizzlies. And we have, I feel like we're in a new phase overall based on the Grizzlies PR Twitter account struggles. And Well, I mean, it, it's amazing when you think back. I mean, uh, we're recording this on a Sunday. I mean, nine days ago, I couldn't even sleep because of how we played against the Lakers. And, and then it's like, and then you, you know, Jaws injured, but then we play great against the Suns. Then you have the, you know, then then the 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 jaw injury news comes out. But then we come out against the Mavs and look so awesome. And then the Marcus Smart news comes out. And then the Desmond Bay. I mean, just it's. Uh, I I hope the fans stay with us this season. It's been a ru- it's been a crazy last eight nine days um, of where our expectations have had to shift for sure. As I've told some people, you laugh so you don't cry. That's how I feel. Well, thanks for joining us. We will be continuing to record weekend updates and we're going to be watching each game and we're going to be following the news the trade deadline intrigue has started you've started to hear some rumors around and we will continue to update everybody with with what we hear uh reported and what we think the grizzlies should do nearing the trade deadline so for craft i'm will thanks for joining us we will talk to you next week then